What's up, everybody? Welcome to Just Friends. As always, I'm your host, Mitch, and today I'm super excited to introduce my guest because he's a new friend. He's someone I've only met very recently in my life, and that's kind of unique because up to this point, most of the people I've talked to, I've known for a really long time. And I think that's kind of had an impact on what our conversations focused on. So it was really nice to get a new perspective. It was really nice to hear a new narrative. And Nate is an amazing guy. Really, really interesting. A great conversationalist. And it was a blast to get to sit down and have a conversation with him. I really enjoyed it. I know you guys are going to love listening to it as well. And just like Dave's, this is a two-parter. So it's really exciting, this new trajectory we're going with Just Friends. So I hope you guys enjoy listening. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you our friend, Mr. Nate Wilson. I like to have eye contact. Yeah. It's important for me. I feel like it'd be really weird if I was staring at like this TV. Instead of looking at you as I talk. All right. So full disclosure, this is our second attempt at a podcast. That's right. Attempt number one went beautifully, but due to some technical details, we were not able to get that first podcast um, up to a quality. So we're giving it another shot. And I think round two has potential to be even better than round one, just because we've got practice at it now. So it's just a different thing. So your name is Nate. Mr. Nate Wilson, and we've been friends now for about, like we, I think we agreed last time less than a year. I'd say probably eight months when I it's, really think. Yeah, it's like eight to ten at most. Which is not a super long time, but I feel close to you. It's true. We met because my wife, Sarah, is very good friends with your fiance. And as everybody who's in a relationship knows, when you, you, you marry your wife's friends and your husband's friends. It's true. But- We've had the chance to bond over the last few months. And I got a chance to learn a whole lot about you the last time we talked. And I want to talk about a lot of those things because you have a really interesting story. Uh, Just your whole, the whole process of you getting from where you started, which was in Ohio. Um, So tell people about that. Tell people about your upbringing. Yeah, so I'm originally from Northeast Ohio, yep. Canton, Ohio, where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is. It's pretty much what Canton's known for. Have you been to that? Have you been to the? I have been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame probably like seven or eight. Times. <laughs> um, the other thing Canton's known for is pretty much poverty and crime. It's it's a pretty terrible area. Uh, but I grew up in Canton. Uh, was not the best area, but. My parents were were super awesome, and they tried to get me kind of out of the danger, danger areas. So we moved really, really far from there to an area called East Canton. Mm, Which sounds fancier to me. Yeah, it's true. But no, it's a much more rural area. It's only literally like 15 minutes from Canton. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But uh, Suburby? Yeah, it wasn't even really suburby. It was much more like it skipped any sort of suburban feel and went straight to like cows and pigs and, and like chickens running across the road kind of feel. Um, but it was cool because I like, I was still close enough to where I grew up that it wasn't too crazy, but it was still, I didn't have like shootings two doors down or a drug deal right next door that could go bad at any second. So it was, it was a good move for me. And, uh, I, I, I was always kind of that person who thought I'd be in that Northeast Ohio section for kind of my entire life. But 
as we will talk about more, that obviously has not been the case. Yeah, you felt you felt very connected to your community and very connected to your family. Um, you're the youngest of three brothers. That's right. Um, so your older brother, Matt, is 10 years older, correct? Correct. And then your middle brother, uh, John, I guess you would call him your middle brother, but he's still yeah, older to yeah. you. Yeah, he's the middle brother, though. And he's seven years he's older. He's got that middle child syndrome. A Does little he? Bit. A little bit, but not too bad. I love John. But those are significant differences. Those are significant age gaps. Yeah. Is there an interesting story about why you were so late? So, uh, kind of full disclosure, we didn't actually we didn't actually even hit on this the first time we tried it. Um, when I have my oldest brother, who's ten years, and then John's seven years, like we just said, and then between what John and I would be, I actually had a sister. Oh wow. And uh, she passed away when she was two weeks old. Oh, that's so sad. So she was born like right in between. So she would be like three or four years older than me. Um, but she was born with a lot of birth defects. Didn't think she would make it very long. She, like I said, she was really only alive for about two weeks or so. Um, and I've always had one of those kind of like weird feelings that my parents have been very open that they wanted a daughter. And then I, I pop out on my son. <laughs> but they were just pumped I was healthy. But it's always been one of those things where they, like, they've been very clear with me the entire time I've grown up that Oh, if Brittany, who's what would have been my sister, like if she would have lived, we were we were done having kids. <laughs> so it's like uh, it's kind of that mixed feeling, like like hey, I I obviously wish I had an older sister, but if I had an older sister, I wouldn't exist. So it's a little bit crazy. But that's really interesting. What was the dynamic being? Because I'm an older brother, I have a younger sister, and so. I don't even know if we had the most traditional older brother, younger sister dynamic coming up because we were really close. But what's the dynamic of being the youngest sibling and then all boys with a such big gap between you and your older brothers? Man, everything was like competitive from the time I was born. That makes feels sense. Like. Boys. Um, my oldest brother, Matt, he's like, he's 10 years older than me. He and I have been so competitive our entire lives. Like, Although we're separated by 10 years, I feel like we kind of always have benchmarked our successes, our, what we strive to be kind of off of each other. Um, I remember like when I was in elementary school, I, I tried to get into this high ability program because my older brother Matt was in it. And like I wanted to be just like how he was. And uh, meanwhile, my other brother, John, he did not get into the high ability program. So he was... However, I still think he's probably the smartest one in the entire family. <laughs> but he was always like kind of more of my like protector because Matt and John kind of had a tumultuous relationship growing up. They were always at each other's throats. Um, they were close, right? Three years yeah, apart? Yeah, like two and a half, three years. So they're pretty close in age. Um, so Matt would always try to pick on me, try to be that older brother who's just kind of uh, always trying to find a way to, to get under my skin while John was the one who would pop in and try to protect me. And it really lasted that way my entire life. Like to this day, it's still that same sort of thing. Matt's the only person on this planet who can get under my skin, can make me want to just, I'm normally a cool, calm, collected individual, but he's the only person who I've ever hung up the phone on. Hot under the collar. Yeah. So, and John's always been kind of my protector to try to keep Matt from, from doing that to me. Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting how different people can just bring out different sides of who you are as a person, bring out different parts of your po- your personality. So you came up youngest of three brothers. 
really competitive with your older brother, had like a more of a protective relationship with your middle brother. And that lasted all the way through high school. What was your high school experience like in Ohio? So I had moved from kind of the inner city to that more rural area. And like initially I hated it because I was like, oh, all my friends are gone. But I grew to love it really quickly. And I think that's a theme we'll kind of hit on is I adjust. I'm kind of a chameleon. I ended up working into new situations really well. Um, I wouldn't say I was like the most popular kid, but I got along with everybody in high school. I was, I played multiple sports. I was in all kind of advanced classes, was president or vice president of just about every organization you can think of, was class president. But it was just like, it wasn't like I've ever felt better than anybody. Like I was just everybody's friend. So yeah, I got invited to all the parties. I got, like, people wanted to be around me because I was always really kind of positive with, with everyone else. And uh, I tried to include everybody. Like I, I was never someone who was very clicky. So I had friends in all different kind of uh clicks as you could say although we didn't really have a ton where we were from and that's the thing that i noticed about you when i'm immediately when i met you Uh, we talked about this um the first real memory the first time that i met you i believe i met you here in your home which is where we are now that's probably right i came over with sarah um i think it may have been a new year's eve party and that was the first time that we met and we got here early before everyone else showed up and you and i chatted but the first real memory I have, um, like where I really was getting to know you, was at my wedding. You were there. You were very helpful, very engaged. And you, like you said, you're kind of like a, you described yourself as a chameleon. I just saw you as a person who was able to comfortably fit into the situation that we were currently having. And immediately you were cracking jokes with my friends. Everybody was getting along. And it was very obvious right away this guy can hang with people whom I appreciate. So he's bought his way into this group. Yeah. So you feel like that's something you're good at. Yeah, and like I said, I'm sure we'll, we can talk about that more. It's something that I've had to do over time. I've, I've lived in a lot of different places. I think in the last probably six, seven years, I've probably lived in four or five different cities across three different states. So if you want to have any sort of social life, you have to learn <laughs> to adjust. And it's kind of funny that you talked about your wedding. Like You talked about how you become friends with your, your significant other's friends. And uh, I remember Kayla came home and was like, oh, by the way, uh, I kind of voluntold that you're going to help set up for Mitch's wedding. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, uh, that's fine. But it was really cool because that's where I got to meet you a little bit more in a different dynamic. I got to meet a lot of the friends who you've actually had on the podcast. So it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, I, I know who these people are as you're talking about them. Because I'm obviously, I'm a huge fan, been listening to every episode, usually some of them multiple times. And I'm like, oh, I met that person. That person was really cool with the wedding. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely, I think one of the big things that I've learned over time is how to fit into social situations where I may not have felt the most comfortable at first um, when I was younger. But if, if when you bounce around to different cities and things, like I said, you'll just be kind of become a very much a lonely person if you don't have those skills. And that's one thing I've, I've always been a very social person, wanted to get to know people. So after high school, Kent State. <laughs> yeah, I went to Kent State University. And what was your what was the decision making process there? Why did you choose Kent State? So Kent State was about forty minutes from where I was from. Makes sense. Um, I had two different schools going back and forth, deciding what, how much scholarship money they wanted to give me. Uh, Kent 
ended up coming in quite a bit better, which was cool. Um, so my undergrad was almost completely paid for between different scholarships, which is awesome. Um, but it was nice because, like I said, I, I've always been kind of more of a family-oriented person. And my immediate family, almost all of my cousins, my only living grandparent, everybody who I was kind of close to growing up is all in that Northeast Ohio area and mm-hmm. pretty much like a two to three county area. Um, so for me to pick a school that was in that same general location made a lot of sense, especially when I was going to get that schooling with most of my college paid for. Also, they provided the education that I needed to get into physical therapy school, which at the time is what I thought I wanted to mm-hmm. do. So they had the program you were looking yeah. for. They were close. And it sounds like they had everything you wanted. Yeah. Now, did you commute? Because you were so close, or did you live on campus? No, I lived on campus. Nice, that's a smart move. Oh, man, I, there's no way I could have commuted. I wanted to have the full college experience, yeah. and that's the one thing. Like, I could not have imagined if I'd have commuted to school, because having that full college experience was, I think, super instrumental, and kind of like what I talked about, kind of that being that chameleon, that's the first real opportunity to say, hey, I don't know a lot of these people, but I, to make friends, I have to learn to interact with them in some sort of social setting. And I learned a lot of that, that Kent State. That makes a lot of sense. Cause it was the first time you were outside of your box. First time you're interacting with people that you hadn't known for a long time. Yeah. And you had a chance to reinvent who you were. Yeah. I, I commuted in college and it sucked, but mm-hmm. you really valued that true college experience. What, yeah. what does that mean to you? I think you kind of hit on some of it already. It's, it's the, the realization that it separates you from what you're used to. If you're still living at home, though, you're going to be stuck in a lot of the same routines you may have been in for years. But by being placed into that kind of that college campus setting, you're going to have to learn to make new friends because my friends, they went all over or they may have stayed in East Canton, but like I didn't have constant interaction with them. Meanwhile, the friends that I made in college, I could just open up my dorm room door, have five, six different people in and out that I would see on an everyday basis. And it wouldn't always be the same five to six people, but I tried to be social. I tried to interact with people. I ended up becoming uh, an RA hmm. uh, because I really liked the community feel of what was going on. And uh, it was just something that I, I really valued at Kent is that it was a bit of a party school. So yeah, I could go to the fraternity houses and do the stuff that I maybe shouldn't have been doing. But it also taught me a lot in kind of a safe area because it was still close enough to home that if something happened, I'm still within an hour drive to be able to see everybody that that really could take care of me. And you still got that safety net. Hey guys, we'll get back to Just Friends in just a second. But first, are there any inspiring musicians out there? You guys might not know this about me, but I've been an aspiring musician since I was 16 years old. And besides talent, the only thing I was really missing was access to professional quality sound equipment and the knowledge of how to use it. If only Black Smoke Studios would have existed back then, my dreams of being a rock star could have come true. But it isn't too late for you. Black Smoke Studios is a professional recording studio located here in the south end of Louisville, and it's owned and operated by my good friend Jeff Baxter. I've played music with Jeff for years, and let me tell you, he's a talented son of a bitch. He plays every instrument I play except better, and on top of that, he is a very knowledgeable sound engineer. If you write music or just play an instrument, Jeff at Black Smoke Studios has everything you need to create a professional quality audio recording in his basement. It's amazing. He has a vocal booth and all these fancy microphones. 
I sang karaoke there at his birthday party last year, and I felt like Adele. It was amazing. But that isn't all, because Black Smoke Studios does music production, so if you play guitar, but you dream of your song with a drum track or keys, Black Smoke Studios can make that dream a reality. Guys, with the internet these days, all it takes is the creation of something really good and a couple of shares, and you could be the next Lil Nas X. You could, you could be the next Sturgill Simpson. Black Smoke Studios can help you make something great. Check out blacksmokestudios.com and get started today. Everything you need is right there. It's blacksmokestudios.com. Everything you need to create a professional quality music production all in one basement. That's blacksmokestudios.com. Blacksmokestudios.com. All right, guys, uh, if you're ready, let's get back to the show. That's a nice thing to have. Especially when you're trying to get outside of your comfort zone and you're trying to try new things and take risks and do scary things, it's nice to know that there's something there that can keep you safe just in case things go scary. a little bit haywire. Yeah. Do you have any fun RA stories from being an <laughs> RA? Because I've, I've heard a lot oh, of people God. talk about how that's just a really crazy experience. I'll be honest, I was a terrible RA. <laughs> I think I wrote up like maybe... So look, fortunately, I was in the honors college. Okay. So like I had good kids that I was watching over for the most part and you're when you say kids you're what like three years older than these i'm kids? like two years older than <laughs> like i'm like 20 they're like 18 close so it's a big, actually that's that's a two pretty influential years in college yeah you know? but it's one of those things where it's like i i had people who wanted to be there they were most a lot of them were like trying to get into med school or doing like really big things so the vast majority of them were really trying not to screw up so I was an RA for two years. I think I wrote up like three or four people total. Meanwhile, I had other RAs in the other areas who were writing up three to four people a night. Mm. Um, Sounds like you were an awesome RA. uh, I think a lot of people (laughs) would describe me that way, but I I let a lot of stuff go. I was a reasonable person. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually, if you just weren't being an asshole, you were fine. Um, But we had one that I did have to write up. Oh, and I was so pissed off about it. Someone took like one of like the big milk jugs i don't even remember exactly what size it was but they had tipped it on someone's door and it was like spoiled nasty Mm. milk they knocked on the door and they opened the door and the milk like spread out everywhere and on the milk jug there was like a homophobic slur oh just what about cruelty i was like you want to talk about like a terrible person so that when i figured out who that who did that i happily wrote them up and i don't mind doing that like if you're gonna be like that terrible of a person you you deserve to be written Sounds up like you're a killer ra honestly um, but yeah I, I probably let go way more than i should have but again it was all about kind of a respect thing if people were respectful about what they were doing we're not trying to just blatantly be assholes i usually let them go give them a warning hey I saw this. I'm going to come back in 15 minutes. If it's gone, you're fine. If it's not, we got issues and it'd be gone every, every time. Well, that's just a cool person. I yeah. feel like your bosses, though, might have described <laughs> you as a bad RA, depending on yeah. exactly. the, the school administrators might not have approved. Yeah, but it all worked out. Everyone was always safe, so it was fine. So your undergrad was in like health, right? Like healthcare? Yeah. So, yeah, I was trying to get into physical therapy school. And my degree was in something called integrated health studies, which is kind of a bullshit undergrad degree that's designed to get you into whatever grad program in healthcare you want. So I could have gotten to med school, physical therapy school, dental school, whatever. Um, but I always wanted to be a physical therapist. That was kind of the, the end game goal for 18 to 21 year old Nate. 
Where do you think that came from? When did that start? <sighs> it was probably around the end of high school. I had to figure out something. You had to make a decision. because Yeah, you know. and I had shadowed like in physical therapy clinics, and I always was in sports and stuff, so like helping rehab injuries, something that interests me. Um, I liked interacting with people, so I thought that might be a good fit. Um, but I then ended up getting into physical therapy school, which is super competitive, and went to a school called Walsh University in Ohio, which is in North Canton, Ohio. So even closer to where I'm from, <laughs> as you can see, I didn't really want to leave apparently. Um, and I was there, I had a graduate assistantship that was helping pay for the school. And I was the, the grad assistant for Chad Cook, who is this larger than life uh, chair of our program. He's one of the top physical therapy researchers in the country. He's now the chair at Duke University. Um, I was his personal grad assistant for research and I hated every second of it. I was miserable. I remember being so stressed out with everything and uh, it was about three months into it. I went and talked to Chad Cook and was like, hey, you know what? I have straight A's. I'm pretty sure I had straight A's at the time, but I was like, but I am absolutely miserable and I, I withdrew from physical therapy school and I did it with no plan. That's wild. Which is crazy because this is what I've been fighting for. It's what I try to get into school for. But I had a lot of self-reflection. I was like, if I'm this miserable doing this now, is this even a career I want to do? And I decided it wasn't worth it. It wasn't what I really truly wanted to do. So I ended up withdrawing and uh, decided to go into uh, get my MBA, my Master's of Business administration in healthcare management at the University of Akron, which is also in Northeast Ohio. Um, but I, I figured the business route, I could do something bigger on kind of a global scale. And that's what I've kind of always wanted to do is really just to help people and, and kind of still that healthcare vibe, but in a way where I can help people at the largest scale possible. That way, when I go to bed every night, I know I did more good than bad in that day. It's interesting that you had that foresight as a 21, maybe 22-year-old man to see that the displeasure you were taking in your studies and in studying in this field was going to directly translate to a, a lack of satisfaction in the actual career. Because I think a lot of people have a trouble making that connection and they think, well, this, this school sucks because school is supposed to suck. But once this is over, once I suffer through all of this stuff that I hate doing, then I'll have this career that I want and that's somehow magically going to be different. And that's not true. I mean, like if you're, if you're having to do something you don't like, it doesn't matter if suddenly you're going to start getting paid for it. You're still not going to like it. But that's a hard connection to make as a 22-year-old man. So you left physical therapy school no plan at all. How long did it take you to come up with an idea for what you wanted to do? <laughs> uh, so another thing we're probably going to hit on is kind of just overcoming adversity, right? I uh, I remember withdrawing from PT school and I was like, all right, well, I have to get a job until I get back into school for something else before I got the MBA. And I ended up applying for 180 jobs. Wow. And I had two interviews. <laughs> what were the fuck? What jobs were you applying for? Literally, like it was like a server at a steakhouse, like nothing crazy. And 
I was second in my graduating class in high school. I graduated summa cum laude, highest I could be in undergrad. I had all this stuff going for me, and I couldn't find a $10 an hour job. It was mind-blowing. Um, and I was trying to focus mainly in healthcare, but I was starting to get to the point where I was like, I will take anything. Um, and finally, I found this home health company that had a scheduler position, make like $13 an hour or something, scheduling home health aides to go out to the homes to take care of people. And I interviewed for it and I walked out and I was like, I crushed that. I was like, I got, I got that job for sure. <laughs> and then uh, the CEO who I interviewed with, because it was a small company, uh, called me like a week later saying, hey, sorry, you didn't get the job. I gave it to one of my buddies. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Fucking nepotism. I'm like, what the hell? So, uh, but one thing I learned super quickly is you can, if you do it in the right way, not taking no for an answer is a good thing. So I felt super good about my interview and I really liked the connection I had with the guy who I interviewed with that CEO. So I just started emailing him every three to four weeks because it was a startup. It was growing. They were going to have to hire more people. And I knew I did well. And he told me I did well. So I just kept emailing him, emailing, probably pissing him off. I don't even know. Finally, by that January, it was probably like two, three months later, he ended up uh, emailing me saying, hey, just meet me for lunch. And I met him for lunch and he offered me to come in two days a week to help with some billing situations that they were having. And I didn't know the first thing about billing, but I'm someone who tries to learn really quickly. Um, so I go in and recover a shitload of money that they had kind of left on the table um, that their their billing person just wasn't doing right and immediately got promoted to, to kind of be like a management trainee. He created a position for me. And then I helped re-implement a system that had issues so then I got promoted three months after that. At this point, I had started in my MBA program. Um, so I was going to school full-time. I was working full-time. So my days would start at 6.30 in the morning. I get home at 11 o'clock at night and do homework. And it was a really transformative period in my life because all I felt like I did was work in school. But I worked my ass off. I ended up getting three or four promotions in a year. And... Uh, I knew that I was kind of getting at a point that I was like, okay, I'm finally learning what business looks like in the healthcare world while my schooling is kind of coming to its end. And that's when I uh, kind of decided, hey, what I'm doing in home health is great, but I wanted to kind of focus more on healthcare that I could see results. So I ended up uh, reaching out to like the top 10 nursing home companies in the country about something called an AIT. It's an administrator and training program. Three of them got back to me, and I ended up joining one uh, called Signature Healthcare, which is based in Louisville, where we are now, um, and ended up joining them, leaving Ohio after I graduated with my MBA, and that actually led me to an area that I never thought I'd be. When I accepted the position, they threw me in Cookville, Tennessee, this rural town between Knoxville and Nashville away from all of my friends, my family. And it was it was a very different time in my life that I never thought I would ever be in because I thought for sure I'd be in that Northeast Ohio area forever. But I made that decision. You know what? My career is where I want to focus on. And that's, that's what I ended up doing.
All right, guys, we'll get back to the show in just a second. Now, I know it might seem a little bit weird for me to do an ad for my own podcast on my podcast, but I think there are a few things that I'd like to share with you guys that I haven't done a good job of expressing so far. First off, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. I'm so excited that there's so much interest and energy right now surrounding this podcast. And I hope that excitement means that you guys see the value in it. There's just not enough chances for us to have conversations like these. And I really just want to try to make my friends more accessible to each other. And that's where you come in. I've been trying to share this with people to the best of my ability, but I need help. I think there are a lot of people that we know who would really enjoy listening and who would really see the value of getting to reconnect with people that they used to really appreciate, but just grew apart from over time. So if you like what you're hearing and you think other people would too, please share the Facebook page, share the Instagram, but most importantly, send links to the website and let people know that it exists. And I'll try my best to take care of the rest. At the end of the day, nobody's going to listen to a crappy podcast, so (laughs) I'm going to do my best to make sure that this isn't one. And if you're listening on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review if you have time. It actually really helps. It it moves us to the higher up in the search queue when you search Just Friends. You might have noticed there's quite a few Just Friends podcasts out there, so the higher up we get in that list, the better. Again, I'm so grateful for all of you that are listening to this. And if there's a specific person that you'd like to hear on the show, let me know. I've been talking to a lot of old friends recently, so I won't take up any more of your time. I love you guys. Thank you all so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. And that's interesting because I feel like in our the previous conversation we had, I kind of got a different perspective on that. Yeah. You finished your graduate degree. You got an MBA. Um, was it specifically in healthcare business yeah, administration? So, yeah, it's it's MBA, and then it had a concentration in healthcare management. And that was at the University of Akron. Yeah, correct. Also in Ohio. Yeah. So there is a theme. I, I, you know, I, I think that makes sense. It's very hard, especially as a young person, to be aware that putting yourself in positions that make you uncomfortable are going to is going to be a good thing for you and it's it makes sense to stay close to the familiar so i'm not surprised that you didn't want to leave ohio and you know the way you just described it you graduated with your mba you reached out to this company and you were uh you kind of got some traction and they sent you to cookville tennessee but i know that there was also different influences in your life at the time so what else was going on in your life at this time so this is the other big piece and it was the reason why i ended up accepting that position really more than anything is i had met a girl in pt school on the brief time that i was there and i started dating her and things were going really well and she was someone who didn't want to stay in ohio she wanted to go explore go to new areas so maybe that had started kind of those those thoughts had started popping in my head. I don't know if it was self or more kind of her ideas coming on to me. When you're young and in a relationship, it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's exactly. hard. It is know. hard, right? It, even now, that's part of what a relationship is. It's kind of the blending of two minds. So I'm not, it's, but it makes sense. But regardless, whether it were your, was your idea or, or hers, this relationship had an influence on your move. Oh, 100% it did. And I think... Because that company had locations in Ohio, uh, but I had to give them my top three destinations, and I told them Tennessee, Ohio, and Florida. 
were my top three destinations. And they put me in Tennessee. That's a weird choice, man. That's a weird... <laughs> I get Ohio. Ohio makes sense. Tennessee, I don't know a single person who's ever even been to Tennessee who didn't go to Gatlinburg or Nashville who even wanted to go back other than you. So I'd been to Gatlinburg and Nashville. <laughs> and I thought both towns were really cool. That and there's no state income tax. Okay, well that's actually... Okay, now that makes more sense. Yeah. Why Florida? Florida is, I think, in the media portrayed as the craziest and scariest place to live in the entire world. Yeah, and it probably is, but man, the thought of just waking up and going out on a beach sounded really cool. Now now I'm in your head, so now I get it. That, w- that was just a, I didn't really want to go to Florida, but if I had to go somewhere else that's not like Ohio or even Tennessee, it's not a bad spot. And you were already stepping outside of the box, so California or Hawaii were just big yeah that and so. like the company had the most locations in tennessee kentucky and florida those were their three biggest gotcha. states makes sense so by me saying tennessee and florida it actually probably helped my chances more than anything gotcha and then i end up in kentucky so it's kind of crazy so now i'm with you now i get it now that's why you chose those three places and you ended up in cookville tennessee that's right what's what was cookville like? so cookville I'm, I'm very fond of cookville <laughs> like i feel like cookville might get a bad rap here and there but it's like a, the, the it's a small town. I don't even know the number of people. Probably like 15, 20,000 people. But it's one of the fastest growing cities in Tennessee. It's, like I said, it's on the major highway that connects Nashville and Knoxville, about halfway between the two. And there's beautiful hiking all around it. Burgess Falls, Cummins Falls. If any of you have ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. They're gorgeous places to just go do amazing hikes. Um, you can, at Cummins Falls, you can swim in waterfalls with tons of people. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a college town. It's where Tennessee Tech University is. It's not a huge school, but like when school's in session, when school's not in session, literally the town, like it's like a third of the population. <laughs> um, so Cookville's a little bit of a college town. It is a little bit of a college town, but it's, it's a fun little city and uh, people take care of each other. Super helpful people. That's what it, you you've described it to me. I think you fell in love with the community that you that you became a member of in Cookville as much as in Cookville as much as you love the city. Yeah, like when I moved to Cookville, I ended up posting something on their sub the Cookville subreddit, which only like three people are on. There's there might be like seven. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> but I posted that hey, I was looking to get an apartment there, and this random guy was like yeah i'll help you out and i'm like i don't know who the hell this guy is but sure and he offered to go around and take pictures of these different apartments tell me about the area because he'd only been there for a year he was this guy from louisiana i'm like what in the hell is this guy doing he's like he's probably gonna try to harvest my organs or something what was his username on reddit it was something so weird. Uh, we're going to get you some gold, bro. We're going to get you some Reddit gold. Oh, my God. I have to look it up. We'll it, figure it out. It was something related to some sort of tigers or something because he went to LSU. So oh, gotcha. Cool. I don't remember exactly, but it's my buddy, Dusty. So I show up in Cookville. I end up picking this apartment beca- or this townhouse kind of thing because of what he had sent me pictures of. It actually was the same uh, landlord that he had, but it was a different area. The day I moved in, met up with him, got drinks. We've been super good friends ever since. I'm actually going to go st- spend the night at his house next week. I'm going to go down to, uh, down to Chattanooga. We're going to talk about that, how I moved to like near Chattanooga. He moved with me. Oh, really? <laughs> He's just one of those like really cool guys. Um, and uh, 
I think having him there was a huge piece because you you learn to make friends in very different ways. And I ended up making a friend by making an obscure post on Reddit with Dusty. And I've met friends so many different ways. And I think that's one thing that, like I said, you have to kind of be a chameleon, adjust to the situation to be open and willing to listen to people who are coming at you from avenues that you never thought possible because you never know when those people could really bring a lot of value to you and you can bring a lot of value to them as well. And Dusty brought a lot of value to your life almost immediately because you described to me like the way that he took pictures of the, of the, the area that you were going to be in and sent them to you. Like he really invested Without in that. Without knowing anything about me, which is crazy. Some people are just amazing that way. Yeah. So how long were you in Cookville? I was in Cookville for probably a little over a year or so, roughly. It was, I, I kind of split because I was in Cookville for about three quarters of a year. And then I finished my training to be an administrator because I was in that administrator and training program. I completed it. And then they put me in a facility where I could finally be the administrator of facility. That means I'm running the show of, of a building in a city called Spring City, Tennessee which was about 45, 50 minutes north of Chattanooga. So it was about an hour and a half from Cookville. Um, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to move closer to Chattanooga because it makes more sense. It's on the same time zone. Cookville was in central time, the building that I was working in in Eastern. So for the first two to three months, I was traveling an hour and a half to work plus a time zone change. Oh my goodness. And it was horrible. So finally decided to um, actually buy a house with my significant other at the time because she had moved to Tennessee with me. Um, and at that time, we got engaged. Um, we were engaged. We just bought our first house together. I was the administrator of a, a new faci- of a facility that was doing really well. I finally felt like, hey, I figured out life. Like I, I have everything that I can. We had a dog and a cat and we had this land that kind of overlooked like mountains off of our back deck. It was gorgeous. It was awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, I have life figured out. Here I am a 25 year old CEO of a facility. I have a, a significant other. I have everything that I thought I could ever want at that moment. And then everything just went to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a handbasket, as they yeah. say. Yeah, that's how life will do that to you, won't it? Yeah, it will. It will kick you square in the teeth over and over again. So I don't want. I don't want to pry, and I don't want to push too much into that. That's but right. You can talk about what happened there, but basically, that relationship came to an end, an unexpected end. Yeah, I ended up finding out some really, really shady stuff, and uh, I had been in my facility in spring city for almost two years at that time. So total time in Tennessee where I'd been there for about three years. I had gotten married at this point. It's about a year after getting married. And I just found out some really, really terrible information about my significant other. And there were communication issues that may have led to it. There were a lot. I mean, that's how a lot of this stuff is, right? It's breakdown of communication. It's just a lot of factors that go into it, right? Two young people yeah. turning into two different young people. That's right. And I knew I had to get out of Tennessee because there's no way, while I had friends in this Chattanooga area, um, I knew my support system. I had to go towards my support system, right? So my plan was, you know what? I'm going to turn in my notice, work my 30 days out, get out of Tennessee, get a divorce, 
and go back to what's comfortable. Go back to Northeast Ohio. It's where I'm from. It's where all my support really felt like it was at the time. And wait, let me ask you, before you went to Tennessee, how did your family feel about the move? How did they feel about your relationship with this young lady before it, it came? Yeah, to honestly, they were all they were always super supportive, and like although we were a very like nuclear family, right? Like we we were all together. Um, they could tell I was I wanted to do big things, and they knew that I wasn't. I had a personality that wasn't going to stop until I achieved it. So they were always very supportive, and honestly, they, they liked my ex. Um, things were. They went pretty well. So you were going home to a really receptive and really supportive. Yeah. Okay, great. I mean, they were they told me anything anything that you need. My one brother, when everything went down, I mean, he drove it's about a ten hour drive. He just drove down just to be with me for John. a few days. Yeah, my brother John, he's my protector, right? Like I I've always had a really good family support system. No matter what I've wanted to do, for the most part they've been super supportive. But what happened in this situation is my career threw me a little bit of a curveball because I was planning on going back to Ohio and about a week left of my notice that I was working out, um, I talked with the the CEO of Signature and also one of the other higher up members of the management team with Signature and they say they don't want me to leave. They want to see how they can retain me. Um, and at this point, I had no plan. I had no job to go back to in Ohio. Um, but they ended up creating a position for me, which turned out to be what at the time felt like my dream job. I got to help train new administrators. I got to recruit all of the administrators for the company. And then when these administrators would be just starting out, I'd be kind of a mentor for them. And I loved it. It was something I really liked. It was kind of what you had just finished doing. You had just gotten out of a program for this. So you were already passionate about it and you were already really informed about it. Yeah, and it led me here to Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. And I never, ever thought I was going to live in Kentucky. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when I moved to Tennessee and I saw that Signature is based in Louisville. And I said, because after you finish your AIT, your administrative training program, they don't tell you, you have to be willing to go wherever they need you, right? And I remember saying, the only way I'm going to Kentucky is if I'm either in Louisville or Lexington. I was like, "There's, I'm not going to Pikeville. I'm not going to McCreary County. We had facilities all over these rural areas. But Tennessee? I mean... I, see, the thing about Tennessee is everything was a pretty close drive to a fairly decent-sized city. Okay, I see. Within yeah. 45... To Nashville or Chattanooga. You can go to Nashville, Chattanooga, Knoxville, Memphis. One of those is an option. But Kentucky, if, you get, if you're somewhere out in eastern Kentucky, you might not have something for two, two and a half hours. Um, and I, and I've always kind of like, kind of like more of the, the city feel than the very, very rural areas. But we skipped something. We skipped, uh, Saudi Daisy. Well, yeah. So I didn't actually move to Chattanooga. I, I, because I worked further North in spring city, I had to find something that was kind of in between, but it was a suburb of Chattanooga. I lived in a small area called Saudi Daisy. Saudi Daisy. S O D D Y D A I S E. S Y. S Y. Okay. <laughs> I love the name of that little city so much. It's so antebellum South. I just imagine like a 1920s debutante. 
Saudi Day. This is my friend Saudi Daisy. Day Saudi Daisy. But the thing is, Saudi Daisy, it was it's a cool little area. I mean, because it's it's just outside of Chattanooga enough that there's again like the hiking, there's the Saudi Creek, the Saudi there's like a Saudi River type thing. Like there's a lot of really cool there's the blue hole and all, I don't know, there's probably like thirty different names for these different things. Um but it's a beautiful area. It's still kind of rural, but still like i'm i was 20 minutes outside of downtown chattanooga so it was was a nice kind of mix between the two full disclosure i've never been to chattanooga it's an amazing city i'm gonna try to get over there you should it's such a good city very walkable for the most part not a ton of crime except in very few pockets but man chattanooga is an amazing city all right chattanooga i'm gonna do an ad for you later uh, so you're in Louisville and you now have your dream job and as a mentor to new administrators to these nursing home facilities for Signature Healthcare. Yeah, and at this point, the career-wise seems seems like it's rocking and rolling, right? Um, so I, this was about five months after I moved to Louisville. I remember getting on a conference call and they were talking about some of these new positions that were opening up and how they're reconsolidating a lot of things. And... Uh, I kept looking at like the flow charts on this conference call and it I quickly realized like my position didn't exist on these flow charts. I'm like, okay, is something about to happen? Like, am I gonna be working in a different department? Like what's going on? And I had a one on one scheduled for right after the conference call with my boss. Actually my boss's boss. And uh <laughs> I remember the conference call ended and I go upstairs and she was like, yeah, this, this means probably what you're thinking it means. We're, we're actually going to have to eliminate your position and uh, you'll, you, we can work out a severance package for you or you can take any open administrator position in the company. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what in the world? Like, It's not that I didn't want to be in a facility taking care of people anymore because I did enjoy it, but it's not what I was really enjoying at the time. And also... It was kind of a step back. Exactly. When, when like, Which sucks to think about. And I'll be honest, I went from a position where I was making at the home health company $10 an hour to probably seven promotions in five years to making six figures. And like for the first time, I'm getting slapped backwards. And that was hard. And... You were dealing with the end of a marriage. You were going through a divorce. I mean, like, where were you at mentally and and emotionally during that time? So this was May of that year. And at that time, I was actually trying to reconcile things. Oh, with your ex? With my ex. I was saying, hey, like, I had gone back and forth on this. I was trying to see where this could go. How much time had passed since you had found out what had happened? About seven months. Okay. So it was about seven months afterwards, and uh, I was trying to reconcile things. And we had made the decision she was going to move from Tennessee to Louisville to be with me. Oh, wow. And we were going to call off the divorce. And I was going to try to make things work. So this happened in May, uh, come August. So I'd only been now working as an administrator because I ended up taking an administrator position just outside of Louisville. I'd only been working for a couple months, and decided, you know what, we're going to buy a house here in Louisville because I was living uh, in the Highlands in an apartment before then. And it didn't always feel like she really wanted to come here. There was a, You could always tell there was something else going on. 
but she moved in and that weekend I ended up getting a message from somebody and I found out more information of even more shadiness and more stuff that I just didn't feel comfortable with. So the weekend after she moved in, literally two days later, um, I said, you know what, I, I need you to move out. Uh, I need to end this. And I went through with the divorce. And that was a really, I mean, that whole time from when I lost my dream job to deciding, you know what, this is a, this is going to end in divorce. I was so depressed. I was like, I remember actually going to talk with a doctor about depression, anxiety, medication. And up until that maybe a year prior, I had probably been one of the happiest people you'd ever met in your life. Very outgoing, very um, always looking on the bright side of things. But I was just in a dark place. It was horrible. Um, How long did that last? It lasted until October 3rd. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's it for part one of Mr. Nate Wilson. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you want to find out what happened on October 3rd, you're going to have to tune in next week when we get to listen to the second half of my conversation with Nate. It's just as entertaining as the first, if not more, so I'm really excited about it. And as always, if you're listening to Just Friends and you want to be on the podcast, please reach out to me. And also, for those of you guys listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate the show and leave us a review. Hopefully it's positive. If it's not, uh, fuck you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. And if you're not already following the Facebook page and the Instagram page, check us out at Just Friends Pod on Facebook and JustFriends.podcast on Instagram where you can get exclusive sneak peeks, you can get extras that don't make it into this week's show, and you can communicate and interact with this small little community that we're slowly building into something awesome. So please check out the Facebook page and the Instagram page, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, and as always, and most importantly, have a fantastic day. I love you. Goodbye.